Wow, there she is! Hello! How are you? We're oh. <laughs> How are you? I'm not, well, I'm not quite as uh, upscale. I'm I'm here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where, well, we, we needed this today. All right. Now, are you both in Canada? Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, I'm in, uh, I'm in Nashville. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh-huh. Wow. I'm in Canada. Right. And going to be here for longer, too, we just found out today, so. Why? What got canceled? Oh, no, the emergency lockdown has been extended. Till when? End of June. Yeah, that's about to be announced for New York. Really? Is that no. where you are right now? Is New York City? Uh, no, I'm in, oh, God, no, thank God. No, I'm in Cooperstown. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, Ed Glimmerglass. So it's very beautiful. Faith is here. We have a, I don't, neither of you have been here, but it, we have a beautiful house. Probably, I don't know, a lot like your Sandra in the country. I don't know, Carrie, if you're in the country. No, I'm downtown. Really? Yes, that tough. It has been, but uh, I dragged my husband to the bike shop this weekend and we got bikes and then rode all around everywhere. And I felt like a new woman after that. So fantastic. Great. Okay. Sorry. Oh, I'm like, you. you don't know how many cancellations. Well, actually you yeah. probably do because you guys have had just as many. Um, well, you're dealing with way more than honestly, you're dealing with yeah. way more than what we are. I mean, with Washington National Opera and with Glimmerglass just being canceled. And uh, we wanted it's, to check in with you and see how you were doing. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. Well, no, we, we care so about you. And Dunkey you know, does too. I don't know why, but Dunkey. Okay. <laughs> did, you, did you tell Carrie about how we got that nickname? No, you tell her. What do you, well, what, is, what is the nickname? What do you call Duncan? Donkey. Oh. <laughs> well, for, it started as, Dun I mean, yeah. Sandra, Sandra and I started together in Japan. In Right. Oh, I forgot about Japan. That was Egypt. When I was Christine Gerke's cover of Madame Lidouane. Right. So I that was, more, I think it was, honestly, it was more than 20 years ago. I know you don't want to hear that, but. It was. Um, and then we had like, uh, then we had like a lot of years where we were like constantly in the same place. And so, but then I guess it was when we did Cyrano yeah. that I just started calling Duncan Donkey and it was just, we were together all the time and yeah. all the time. And, and sometimes, you know, in all honesty, and I, I think you, you two are, are, can respect this. Sometimes you just, as a director, you don't want to hang out with the singers but like you guys are normal <laughs> so it's okay and so Sandra Duncan and I were yeah. constantly doing things together constantly eating together Con all right it's time to go for hot chocolate it's time that's to go for awesome. a cafe let's go I think and it started that I think Dunky might have started with the Trovatore in Paris. that was Paris Paris in that one yeah Oh well, my I God, feel, that was, that was like that, we had, we had, what's his name? And then Carrie, I wasn't at WNO when you started there. No, no. It, it, you actually brought me, brought me back. It was because of you. But I remember uh, with, through Michael Heaston, uh, he said, told you, you have to hear this girl. And I came in and did one of the most horrendous auditions I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I doubt that. 
but you were so awesome. No, it was, you were so awesome. I remember Michael Heaston's face. I'll never forget that when he looked up from the table and all I wanted to be was like, I'm so sorry. And I'm running out of the room right now, <laughs> but, um, but you were, you were awesome because you said, no, I'll give her a second chance. And I met you at your apartment in New York city and we, yeah. and I sang for you there. And, um, and I loved talking with you because you actually said, well, can you do it like this? Can you sing it like this from this point of view? And I love that. And I love the challenge of that and how the brain works to make an acting decision. So I, I mean, we haven't done a show yet together though. So I don't know. I know, but you, we, I brought you back a couple times and will again, yeah. if we ever get back. I mean, I think, you know, I think when you like have people who go through programs, you're supposed to be loyal. Yeah. Or, I mean, I actually think Sandra, it's pretty cool. I know COC is very loyal to you up there. I know. I just think, you know, I think it's like our responsibility to have some kind of, you know, larger family of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're really going to need it when, when we come out of this, if we come out of it, what we're going to be. And, and I don't, we can't even. We can't even think about it yet. We're tired of, and Carrie and I are tired of speculation. We, we don't even ask that question anymore. We don't ask people, when do you think it's all going to be over? Because you know what? No one knows no one and knows. there's no answer to it. But I agree with you. And that was one of the questions we had for you was, do you see this? Like, yeah, I'm in Canada and I can't leave. Our border is closed until right, the 21st yeah. of June. Mm -hmm. Do right. you see... For instance, you hiring a lot of American singers because you're going to have visa issues. You're going to have issues with people flying from Europe over to, to oh, the U.S. I'm basically, well, I mean, Glimmerglass, I've always said, you know, only North Americans. And it's funny, you know, I tried at Glimmerglass to always have like 15% Canadians <laughs> because our audience is 15% Canadian. Yes. And so, because I love saying to the Canadians, like, and are, are you a double, a dual national now? Yeah. So anyway, I, and I've always said in Washington, we should be hiring more, not just Amer North Americans. North Americans, yes. That's and a and I think, I, I think that's why what, we can't call something the Washington National Opera without that. So I am dedicated in both companies to representing the best of North America. And my concern is how to make our art form flourish using talent that comes from, that is homegrown in some way. And I think that for years, uh, larger companies have shirked away from that. And I think it's our responsibility to create really the great American artists. Not that there haven't been years of the great American artists, but I am very aware of that. And that's, part of my main thing in Glimmerglass and at Washington is to hire the really the incredible panoply of artists that we have. So that's my personal overview. Of course, that doesn't mean don't hire somebody from Russia or Italy, yeah. but that means hire them if it's the right mix in a cast, because a cast is all about getting the right mix. Sure. Um, and so, and as we know, that's a, you know, that's a, a crapshoot. Okay. So. <laughs> how, you know, how was it for you? I was curious because when we saw each other on the 11th, I had- Right, I saw, of course you were backstage, you were in that costume, I got I, everything. It was, a, it was a stressful time. Um, I just was curious, I was curious how, 
because all of a sudden everything, we were all hoping that Saturday was going to happen because you told me that the last Don, Giovanni, Don Giovanni performances were sold out like Saturday was. Yes, they oh. were. Yes. And so I was wondering, I mean, what was it like for you? If you feel like talking about it, what was the windfall like from that? Or, and especially Blue, who didn't even have the chance to open. I mean, how heartbreaking was that? Unbelievable. Well, I, I, you know, the decision to close in part in Washington was, of course, from the Kennedy Center. Yes. Um, and it was devastating uh, because we had a lot of new things happening. It was the first year where we were doing uh, operas and rep in the spring. We had three operas going. Mm -hmm. We were really trying to, uh, we had added content for this season. We were up to six main stage operas, uh, plus all of our ancillary things. So of course that'll change. Um, and Don Giovanni opened to great success. Samson and Delilah, which is somewhat of an impossible opera, had opened <laughs> to great success. And we were at the dress rehearsal of Blue, uh, which had premiered earlier this year in Glimmerglass, but then was about to premiere in Washington, which was so important for that community. Uh, yes. What and, is Blue about? I, I'm not yeah, sure. So Blue is a new opera. Uh, that we premiered last summer by Janine Tesori uh, and Taswell Thompson. And the story is one about family and community, but it is about uh, an African-American family. Okay, my dog is freaking out, so we'll hold there one second. Okay. You'll put up a picture of Ken Kellogg. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Fine, who's blue? I was so looking forward to seeing that production too. Really? I mean, yeah, I, I had plans. I mean, I had gotten permission to come and um, yeah, it was heartbreaking. So, oh, so Blue was a work that we had commissioned in Glimmerglass and we're premiering in Washington and it deals with an incredible tra tragedy of an African-American family. And the family, it's called the father uh, uh, and the mother, their son, uh, grows up and is a kind of a rabble rouser and a, and a, and a real, uh, really a good kid, but a kid who is out there protesting. And the father is a police officer and the son hates his father for being a police officer. And so the son goes to a rally and he is killed by a white police officer. And so the story is about how the family with their community, with their church, uh, come to terms with it. What does it mean to be a young black man in America now when we have had incredible amount of shootings and violence? Yes. And that was really the, the impetus for the opera. And so when I commissioned it, uh, I went to Janine Tesori, who has a huge track record on Broadway. She's written two previous operas, one for Washington and one for Glimmerglass, and has since been commissioned by the Met. And I said, I want to work somehow, tell a story about this issue in America today. But I want it to be a really uh, a strong family. So every family can identify with this, every community. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we opened it here. It was a big success. Mm -hmm. And it was going to open in Washington. It was going to Chicago Lyric next and mostly Mozart this summer mm -hmm. uh, and several other theaters. So 
it was devastating to cancel the rest of the season. And then after that, we had Porgy and Bess with two great casts. So losing all these performances, I mean, for Washington, well, for every company is just, it's, it's devastating for everyone involved. Uh, of course, in the big picture of life and death, it's a different kind of devastation. I mean, we're all mourning as artists, the loss of our expression. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, that's, uh, I think, the hardest thing for us to come to grips with. Yeah, loss of identity. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. I was curious about, because you kind of straddle both sides of the footlights, not only being on the administrative side of two companies, but as well as on our side, you know, being creative and a director of not only opera, but theater. And I, how many jobs have you lost because of this and I mean you have I feel like you have losses on both sides for you how are yeah. you even functioning and getting out of bed and looking at what <laughs> you do right now <laughs> well I mean I, I think you know as a company administrator uh, you know you feel this incredible weight of your family and of your staff and artists uh, so in a way Washington I am the artistic director so a lot of those decisions go to the Kennedy Center. They're not mine in terms of how people are paid or what happens in the logistics. Mm -hmm. But at Glimmerglass, uh, I made a commitment to pay a portion of the salaries to every young artist who is coming, to every intern who is coming. That's a hundred kids. Wow. Uh, plus the orchestra, plus our staff. We qualified for, I'm sure you know about the PPP mm -hmm. loans. Yeah. And I think it's really important to uh, sustain people as much as we can. And we have, uh, you know, we're not a wealthy company. We're not, uh, we're certainly not as wealthy as a lot of our uh, peer summer festivals, but, but that was important to me and to all of our staff. Uh, and of course, I mean, all, we have 350 employees in the summer. Yeah. And so I feel as an administrator, you feel like, you, you know, you're the, I feel like the mother of the company. And so I'm very concerned about everybody. And this is a rural setting. Uh, we have an annual staff of 32 people and we're very close. And, you know, a lot of these people, they're not making a huge salary because we're not in an urban place. People are living here often for the quality of life. And so... I'm concerned about all of them and I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about everybody because, you know, it, it goes from the institutions down. So the, you know, the big institutions are going to come through it because they, they will. Right. Um, whether it's the Metropolitan Museum, the Metropolitan Opera, the, you know, the Smithsonian, it's a government building, but you know, those things, this, you know, the Kennedy center, mm -hmm. but, all of these smaller arts organizations and that's really the fabric and that's the feeder like just in our industry yeah, yeah. if all these small companies went away where would the crops come from where would the next people come from right and where yeah, would effect, right yeah the where would i mean even like i i, I we're about to announce a big online summer uh, well, that Glimmer was Glass. our question too. We wanted to know if you're doing. Why any don't you you can you can ask and then I'll 
I'll give you yeah. a good answer. Well, are, are you, with Glamour Glass, with Washington National Opera, everybody's going virtual right now with, with, with content. Are you planning on any of that? We decided uh, we love everybody singing in their living rooms, but we decided rather to do something that paralleled the season. So like if it was a performance of The Sound of Music, then online would be, we would do a whole show about not just The Sound of Music, but World War II, the Holocaust, uh, klezmer music, whatever. And that like the Wagner opera we're doing, we're, uh, we're going to do a kind of a animated puppet show of that, which because it's called The Fairies, Die Fane. Um, with Ronaldo, we're going to have some singing, but dancers doing their own things in their own homes, sort of fusing with the singers. Oh, awesome. Um, so in a way, it was like, uh, and with Don Giovanni, we are going to have a panel with the three women, mm -hmm. and the three women talking talking about Don Giovanni, like from their point of view, their story, because you're always interviewing Don Giovanni. So we're right. the three women, and then we would have all of them do sort of Mozart's women and do different oh. Mozart's music. Um, and then different talks, uh, Isabel Leonard, we have something called the Artists in Residence here every summer. So this year it's Isabel Leonard and Bill Burden. They both will be here. They'll be doing various uh, concerts or pop-ups, I mean, online. And then, so that's our sort of public facing side. Mm -hmm. And also one of the thing is we have a big commitment to youth, to kids. When I talk about like the next generation before the young artists, um, we're going to be working with them. We always do an opera with them. We always do a new opera with them. And so we're going to get them online and, and teach them some of the music of the new opera that we were going to do, Jungle Book, so that they will do a concert online. Oh, fun. It'd be well, amazing. So you're thinking outside of the box. You're not just doing this let's sing an aria kind of And thing. I think all that's great, but I think an audience, they, they want content. So we also have... We, we normally always have speakers. Mm -hmm. So this year, like we have Sister Helen was gonna be a speaker. So we're gonna have a uh, something about death and the death penalty and uh, tie that within Don, with Don Giovanni, uh, which is so much about, of course, religion and Catholicism. And so using different speakers to connect to different things. And we're gonna do it sort of every week at the same time. Nice. And then for all of our young artists, we are offering them basically we're setting up a program that this is more Alan Purello, head of the program, is arranging where we will give them coaching classes, master classes with everybody, so that they have a virtual summer working with everybody. Uh, you know, myself, Joe Culinary. Nice. Uh, so that's, that's Gloomer Glass. So, um, so I would say in Washington, we're thinking of alternatives to our fall programming. Okay period. Uh, um, but we were going to open with Fidelio. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know Leonora's aria, Come Hoffnung. Yeah. So I thought, why don't we take that aria, Come Hope, and make like an umbrella for the whole fall, where we do programming about, you know, for the more intellectual people, you know, a Beethoven discussion arias, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we're working with, we've just interviewed a bunch of virtual reality companies to do 
part of the opera as a virtual reality opera. Okay. Um, we're going to make a graphic novel for kids of Leonora Superwoman. Cool. Oh, um, we're going to commission a bunch of young composers to write like 10 minute operas, how Beethoven inspires them. Yeah. So, and then I think we're probably going to do like, you know, get a truck and do Beethoven in the streets. But so the whole fall is what I'm calling come hope. I mean, I think we have to offer content. We have to stay relevant, as you say. We have to find ways to connect with all the segments of our audience, whether it's through the print medium. It's like I have that uh, thing that I send to all subscribers in Glimmerglass called my traveling iPad. I don't know if you've ever yeah. seen it. I wanted to know if you were still doing that because you're not traveling for your director job. So are you still going to keep up with that or is it going to morph into something else? We've decided to keep using it every week or every other week because so many people write back to us about it. Yeah. This is a thing I call my traveling iPad. I've been doing it for years mm -hmm. in all different places. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's just a way of communicating with your audience in a very personal way. So no, I'm not traveling, but so now I'm writing a lot about Rome, my dog who's over here right next to me. I'll show you, I'll show you Rome in a minute. Another hound, another, no, I've moved. He's a silver lab. <gasps> Beautiful. Oh, can yeah, we see He doesn't look, yes, he's, he looks so unphotogenic right now. Alexander Neef showed us his, his new poodle too, which was he, beautiful. And he sits right on top of his legs the whole day. Hang on a minute. Oops. Okay. Rome. Romy. Romy. Rome. Rome. Romy. Good. Oh. oh. They're talking about you. He's so, so big. <laughs> I, so this room is a guest room because okay. I don't have an office at home because my because the theater's not far. Yeah. So I have turned this into my office, and I never let him get on the bed. My wife would kill me. Okay. But since it's a guest room, and he and I are in here for hours at a time, often yeah. I let him get on that bed. Is he? You know how they kind of pick which human they go to is he yours or is he yeah yours? well i mean he he's with me more okay because i'm here more so yeah. my wife faith is an but, attorney and right. she has her own law firm um in new york uh and of course they're closed so she is running from her study here at home her law practice with her partners and she has court every day. And like oh. many people, she has her Zoom outfits you know, <laughs> from the waist up. Because uh, she normally wears like killer, what they call those shoes, Manola Blahniks all the yeah. time. She has like 50 pairs that she wears to court. But, but now she's just you know dressed from the waist up. So she's running her law firm. And Jackson is- and Jackson, yeah. Jackson goes to school at Dalton in New York City. Okay. But of course, he's doing it online digitally, which is unbelievably difficult. I will say, in as an administrator in opera, I have appreciated teachers so much more. Now, being responsible from the from eight in the morning until right before I talk to you all, that's why I'm like waiting for my cocktail. Um, it's it's so hard, and you know what? It's so hard on kids. He's you know, in 10 weeks, he's seen, we've had two walks 
with distance walks with friends. We go for like we go for a walk every day after school. We just went down to the lake. We're right, you know, there's a beautiful lake here. Um, so in a way, I feel so blessed to be in the countryside. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can all work here. We have good internet. We have space. We have a hundred acres. We have a lake. Um, most of our food comes from a local farmer. Also being Italian, I'm obsessed about having a very full freezer. <laughs> and I had, and before even this happened, I had what I called the emergency closet, which is downstairs, <laughs> which literally has like 25 pound bag of flour, 10 pound bag of sugar, uh, toilet paper, paper towels, uh, mm -hmm. Baking soda, baking powder, rice. Do you have beans. any yeast? I can't get yeast. Oh, I have. I have so many of those little jars of. Oh, you said to me. <laughs> do a starter, but but I did that before any of this, because I'm always like supposing something happens, and so I have, and everyone here at home, Faith and Jack, made fun of me because I said it's the hazmat closet down there. It has every, you know, first aid. Mm -hmm. uh, there she goes again. Yeah. Frozen. I love that you guys got out of the city and that you have the space that you do. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we're, that's why I say we're so blessed. And I feel so much for people who don't have that option to get out of the city. And so, you know, look, of course, there's a dark side, you know, all the food pantries here we've been giving. Right. Uh, to all of them. Our church is super active. We're very involved in a lot in the community here, which I think is, you know, I think it's everyone's responsibility now. Yeah, uh, and even anyway. like even part of our staff at Glimmerglass, uh, they're EMS trained, which is fantastic because again, you know, something right. happens to an audience member and it takes forever for the ambulance to come. Yeah. So all of them are working full time as volunteers. One of them even has been deployed to New York City. Um, so, I, you know, I just think everybody's got to give back in whatever way they can. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I have a question to ask you that I've always wanted to ask you about. Okay. I met your mom. I loved your mom. Your mom was pretty special. Thank you. And your mom and dad were both actors, right? Yes. So how did you go from that world to the opera world? How did that translate? Well, my, first right. of all, my mother, uh, and she loved your voice. My mother uh, loved opera. Her mother was a classical pianist. And the piano which you may remember in my old apartment, which is actually in our, still in our apartment, was my grandmother's. And she studied piano in Germany, amazingly before World War II, and brought back a Hamburg Steinway, which is what I still have. And she actually brought two pianos. And one of them she gave to my mother and the other she gave to her other daughter. Her other daughter passed away and I had to sell that piano and I sold it to Christine Gerke. And it's the piano in Gerke's house. Cool. So I love that, that anyway, so, yeah. so I my mother- I know that story, all, but I wasn't getting okay, right. But my mother loved opera, and, but not like listen to opera, listen to opera. But when I was growing up, 
uh, she was working all the time, which is why I always encourage uh, women when they're working, particularly in the theater and they're feeling guilty and terrible. I say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Because I felt like there were so many times I was backstage or I would sleep in her dressing room. Of course, we'd never let that happen now. But being backstage, I just fell in love with like how everything worked and the the whole thing of the, uh, you know, putting a show together rather than performing. I wasn't ever attracted to performing. And then actually about in college, I started listening to opera and I had just an awakening for it, really. It was just, honestly, it was an awakening. And then when I moved to New York City after college, I started going all the time to New York City Opera. Um, and I was working in the theater as a stage manager and I decided I wanted to pursue opera. So I went to Germany and got a job as a, you know, as an hospitant, as a, as a gopher, really. Mm -hmm. And then it just, opera was always bigger and had big stories, big emotions, as, as we all know, the things that we love about it. Um, and I felt that as a storyteller, which is what my job is, I thought that it was really a, a I could tell bigger stories and bigger emotions and canvases. And, and I think like, I'm sure you all, when you were younger, you started singing in musicals in high school and in choir. No, you didn't? I did. I, I have never in my whole life sung pop music. Never. Really? Wow. Church choir. Church choir. Okay, I well, church, sang, I mean, that's the other thing, church right, choir. Sacred music, and then, and then at 11, I started taking voice lessons, and I sang the 24 greatest Italian hits. Oh, that's how I started from singing. the book. I love it. How about you, Carrie? Well, I, I mean, well, I grew up in the church. I'm, I'm from the South, so that's what we did. Yeah. And I grew up, you know, singing Sandy Patty and Amy Grant. And then, of course, Whitney Houston. And in college, uh, for a job, I ran the karaoke on the weekends. Um, <laughs> um, well, I'd run karaoke and sing it on the weekends and then go back into university and sing opera during the week. And but, she's, uh, by the way, she's really good at it. I love it. I love singing all kinds of music. But, uh, I want to hear. Well, that's why you're in Nashville. No, because your husband. No, my husband moved here. But now that I've been huh. here, you know, uh, we're actually going to interview some somebody that I've now come in contact with that's a producer that uses session singers for things. And I'm really curious to see how this has affected them, um, how they're dealing yeah. with all of it. And uh, anyway, but um, no, I grew up singing all of that in musicals at school. I loved that. I mean, I was singing in front of people um, in kindergarten and then first grade, they heard me sing and said, let's, ooh, we need her. Let's put her up there. So um, I was a lucky kid. I, I was able to sing in front of people for a long time, but I really love and it didn't happen until I was a mezzo, just coming out of the program and I went to cover at the Metropolitan Opera. And the first time I walked up to get my check was the first <laughs> time I saw the inner workings of a building that produced such a massive amount of productions. And I thought, how does this work? I love this. I wanna know how this all comes to from that money to what I ended up doing on stage for a living. I just find it really fascinating. And you are a female in this business that has accomplished such an amazing amount. And you have these positions of power that very few females do. So I would really love to know what advice you would give someone like me or a younger person coming up that wanted to do what you've done. What's the best advice that well, you would give someone like that? I mean, uh, 
you know, now, like when you get older, you suddenly get asked these, these things. And, and now I feel, I feel like now it's easier to be honest. Um, you know, I, I had, of course, incredible discrimination. Yes. Um, I've been doing this, I've been doing this 40 years. And I think, uh, you know, when I started, it was terrible. There were no role models. People were uh, rude to me. I, I, I told this story recently, and it was printed in some Opera America magazine. I'll tell it very quickly. After I went to Germany, I came back. Anyway, I got a job as a, uh, you know, like a second assistant stage manager at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. Uh, and the reason I got it was right before that, I had worked at the New Jersey State Opera. Okay. And the New Jersey, I know, the New Jersey State Opera. <laughs> Um, was like one of my first opera jobs. And it was instant opera, basically. You had to do everything in 10 days. I was an assistant director there. The guy who ran it, was name was Alfredo Silipini. And anyway, he gave me, I think, a, you know, a halfway decent recommendation. I don't know. Anyway, I got hired at the Lyric. I was the only woman. I was in an office. There were, there were eight men. There was one toilet, um, you know, in this office. And so one of the guys said to me, we don't put the seat down. And I said, I was very intimidated. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll shut up and I'll just, I mean, he was sort of joking, but maybe not. Uh, and anyway, so I had a rough couple of months there, my first season. And then the then head of production was Bill Mason, uh, who said to me, uh, it's not going great here for you. You're on probation after a few months. And I was like, well, for what? Like everything I've done is like perfect, you know, perfect, yeah. I, you know, lists. Oh, then that's all that's. So I just felt like there was some people who were gunning for me. Mm -hmm. Like an angel from the sky, uh, Sarah Billinghurst, who was then Sally Billinghurst, uh, her assistant called me and said, do you want to come to San Francisco for an interview? We've heard that you were very good. So this is for internet, obviously. <laughs> anyway, so I got on a plane one night after a performance. I think it was like Tristan and Isolde or something endless. Mm -hmm. I got to San Francisco. I spent the night in the airport. I had a really nice little pink suit, which if, if you know me now, you would laugh. Anyway, I wore that to the interview. Pink? You? I know. Well, I know. I know. It was like rose pink. Anyway, so I wore it to the interview. And at that time, uh, her, she was called Sally then, as you may remember. Uh, she hired me and I was hired to be on the staff as an assistant director, which was a promotion, and to direct the student matinees of La Traviata. And the salary was like three times bigger than San Francisco. I got on the plane, I mean, uh, three times bigger than Chicago. I got on the plane, went back to Chicago, and I told Bill very nicely that I would be leaving and I would be going to San Francisco. Thank you very much. And then the gentleman who had been really terrible to me, I didn't say anything. I went in the toilet and I put the seat down and I said, the seat needs to stay down. And I left. And I mean, now mind you, I was 22 years old or something then. So Sarah was like an angel because she, I went to San Francisco. I had great years there, started directing a lot, really getting going, um, which is what, what it takes when you say, you know, you, you, you have to work 
at that point, I felt I had to work twice as hard. There were other women on staff there too, which was great. And she recommended me to the director, Jean-Pierre Pinel in Europe. And I went and worked for him for years in Europe. So, you know, you can't say like, that's a sort of somewhat conventional path often for directors. Like you go, you work your way up and that's a good way. So that's one way. I think the other thing that's happening now, which I think is great, is a lot of people are starting like small companies mm -hmm. and they're showcasing their own work. And I really respect that. I think that that's, I think that's fantastic. I think that people do, you know, when showcasing your own work that way is a way to get a job. So to me, it's either you sort of go through the more conventional pipe route or you go the other way. But there were definitely not a lot of women examples on the way. And that's why now in these positions, I have tried to hire always at least 50% women in terms of creative teams, mm -hmm. uh, conductors, directors, designers. Uh, and then I wish, uh, of course, of course you can't, it's like if something's a soprano, at least for now, I think that may change someday. Um, you know, I've always been interested in, you know, cross-casting, gender changing, and all of that and and i think that you know it'd be great to flip don giovanni um Ooh. carrie and but, i would be good don giovanni leporello right, okay. <laughs> just an I, fyi I, you just got me going there um so i, I think <laughs> that the you know for me now like when i got both of these jobs mm -hmm. i said number one women number two diversity mm -hmm. i made a commitment and i, I have have been successful in in both companies of having everyone represented on the stage. And I'm very proud of that. And Opera America ranked Glimmerglass and then WNO as number one and number two for diversity on stage. Cool. It's amazing. So I think, you know, if you got a little power like this, use it as best you can. And I'm as outspoken as possible. And, and yeah. I think the last thing is convincing and trustees, because it is very important to have trustees support your ideas, which now these are more and more, we consider them normal, but you know, they weren't even a decade ago. In North America. Yeah. Yes. In Europe, that's mm. different. How many languages do you speak, by the way? I just want to ask that. I speak French, Italian, German, Russian, and English. Whoa. Smart cooking. And fluently. And fluently. Eh, pretty good. Not always fluently, but pr I mean, and certainly, certainly enough to direct. You can't, I've always thought you can't communicate without the language. Yeah. No to young artists, right? True. No, yeah. Young, well, don't get me started. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, my biggest spiel to young artists is get off the computer and go live life, go, you know, okay, well now you can't travel, but you know, experience museums, perf live performances. And you know, that's probably a note to close on is the live question because, you know, without live, what are we? Yeah. And ha experiencing performances and being in performances and, and you all singing, you know, it's like you said before, Sandra, it, it is your raison d'etre. It is it is your identity. Uh, all of us to 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 feel the community of our world with each other yeah. and with our audiences. No, 
Beautifully said. Beautifully, Beautifully said. said. What advice would you give the younger you? Listen to everyone. What is your favorite curse word in any language? Russian. Pizda. What is it? Pizda. Pizda. It's unfortunately female anatomy. Oh. <laughs> Unlike mignette that, that, that Dima told me. Yeah, right. I love it. Mm -hmm. What is your most useless talent? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm a superb ironer. <laughs> Slightly useless. <laughs> is there a song that ever gets stuck in your head? Is it the same one? You mean classical or anything? <laughs> Um, I think a hymn gets stuck in my head usually. Maybe that's just lately. Okay. Which one? Well, I don't know. I was, I was singing Amazing Grace this morning, but mm -hmm. I had listened to Jesse. But I have been listening to a lot of hymns lately, so I feel like hymns keep being in, you know, in your... His Eye is on the Sparrow is yeah. probably the one that I sing the most. I love that one. I also like um, It Is Well. It is well with my well. Is that um, the one that the people in Nashville did? Yeah, is Nashville. Yeah, for my producer friend put together yeah. a wonderful um, compilation of It Is Well, and it just, it's stunning, stunningly beautiful. So that's my favorite. I, I find myself humming that. I, I you know, I, I, aside from my wife being an attorney, she went to divinity school at Yale for three years. I think you knew that, Carrie. Anyway, she graduated last year. And she's about to be ordained. Oh, awesome. uh, She's not going to like go run a church. She's going to run a killer law firm. But <laughs> I, I think one thing that, that we really share is we're both pretty religious. Okay. Um, which has been a good thing in our relationship now of almost 10 years of yeah. getting back to that. Yeah, I understand that. I know, Sandra, you can't believe that. I'm old. <laughs> no, you're not. No, we're not. We're not old. We're better. We're yes. Better. Okay. And the last one, the last uh -huh. question is, is it James Lipton? Because homage to him, we've been doing this. If heaven exists, which religious, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Susan Graham bawled at this point, just, just an FYI. No, you did. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, Gary. You're welcome. I, don't, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what. I, I have no it. Glad uh, you're here. I mean, I mean well, yeah. you know, or over here to the kitchen. I love to cook. <laughs> Here's the buffet table. <laughs> we should ask you a different one as your last one. Or, wait, or, it doesn't matter how much you eat, you'll always be thin. <laughs> yes! Best answer yeah. ever! <laughs> we love you. That's we great. love you. I love you both. How fun was this? Thank oh, you so much. My love to you all. Okay. To you love too. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.
can you can you hear me? Can you see me? No. Yeah. Oh, Carrie's like, what? Carrie's being all quiet today. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> you inspired me. It's the light, okay? How's the light? Looks good. Can you see the light? It looks good. Why are you being quiet? Why are you being quiet? I don't know. Oh, it's still wet back here. Yeah, my I have I have wet sweat hair under you. That's gross. <laughs> I'm a dirty birdie today. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh, ready for it? Bye. That oh wine. <laughs> um. That's like two thumbs worth of bourbon. That's where we are today. I think you need it. All the, I, I reformatted it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I reformatted it today. Rough day? Yeah, I mean, come on. Let me just, just let me go somewhere. I want to go somewhere, you know? Yeah. Like, oh shit, I just didn't. I'm I'm just having a I'm having one of the I'm having one of those days, Gary. You're cracking me up. That's the day. Fuck it. And I have a question for you. No, this is just stupid, but you're you're over there, right? No. On the video, you're you are there? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because mm -hmm. some of the first videos you were there. Okay. I'm we're pointing at each other. <laughs> We're pointing at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds. <Yeah. laughs> he posted a picture on Instagram of him on a completely sold out plane. Oh, was that that? Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw that. Picture. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, cheers. Uh, because he went to go sing a concert with people that were socially distanced yesterday. Do you feel comfortable getting on a plane? Uh, not sure. Not so sure. You? Um, I'm not ready to uh -huh. see Jesus yet. <laughs> no. Uh, no, Jesus and I need to have like, I, I really want to get to Shady Pines and then we can talk about seeing 